we have got great news to share. And that is why we are looking at these meals with Jesus, because these are opportunities that Jesus used that we have recorded in the Bible to tell people what that good news was. And I love what Raph has just said in that video of actually it's just about readiness and a season, an opportunity. And um, it reminds me of a quote that says... um, If you routinely share meals and you have a passion for Jesus, then you'll be doing mission. It's not that meals save people. People are saved through the gospel message. But meals will create natural opportunities to share that message in a context that resonates powerfully with what you're saying. And actually, as I've been trying to prepare for this preach and think about what conversations I've had with friends, I am not someone who goes out on the streets, although I would love to to be. It's not something I have done since I was about 16, um, but I would love to do it again. But I have had conversations with friends that don't know Jesus. And actually, as I was trying to remember them, all of them did revolve around a meal table. (laughs) And I thought that was very funny because actually it is so true. It's just that that provides an opportunity where it can just be natural, where actually it doesn't feel like, oh, what do I need to say? How am I going to bring it up? It just comes up. It's just there because you're spending time with people, you're sharing life with people, and the conversation flows. And actually, it's so good for us to spend this time focusing on what are those natural opportunities that can come and how can we use them and how can we pray for them and what will they look like for us. And so today we're going to have that specific focus on what does giving a true welcome look like. And we're going to take a passage from the Bible that speaks of a meal that Jesus has, which shows us three different types of welcome. And from that, hopefully we're going to get some lessons on what giving a true welcome looks like. So the passage is Luke chapter 7, and it's verses 36 to 50, and I hope it's going to come up as well so we can follow along. And it's entitled, A Sinful Woman Forgiven. And it says, One of the Pharisees asked him, that's Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner... When she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he cancelled the debt of both. Now which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he cancelled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, 
but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. We see three people in this passage, the Pharisee called Simon, Jesus, and the woman. As I said, each has a welcome. Each gives a welcome, three different ones. But they're all quite different from each other. And we're going to start with the welcome that is given by Jesus because that's the root of everything. Where else would we start, right? And I think... It's just linked so beautifully with Shelley's song that was the Lord calling us in because Jesus here shows such a great welcome to this woman. Her actions where she's kissing his feet, wiping them with her hair and uh, pouring out the ointments, perfume, um, are totally culturally inappropriate Um, In fact, Blumberg in his commentary says some would have even said they were so sexually suggestive that they were shameful. (laughs) And yet Jesus doesn't tell her to stop. He knows they're culturally inappropriate. He knows people are going to be upset about that. But he receives it. He's not offended by the woman's actions. Because actually he knows that they're a sign of love. He sees beyond the actions and he sees the heart and he welcomes her in. He then actually responds to someone's disapproval of those actions by explaining why they've been given in a way that means that person actually has to answer his own disapproval (laughs) and say, oh, the person who's forgiven more (laughs) will do that. So Jesus doesn't actually even jump to this woman's defense. He gets someone else. He gets the person who disapproves to say in their own words why they shouldn't be disapproving that and why that woman is right. (laughs) And that is the welcome that Jesus extends to this woman is that he says, your sins are forgiven. I don't care what you've done. I don't care whatever people see in you. I see your love. And I forgive you and I welcome you in and I love you too. And Jesus also in that parable says the debt has been cancelled of both. And in that he's extending the welcome to the Pharisee as well. (laughs) He's saying you are also sinful. You might not be sinful in the same way this woman is, but you are also sinful and your debt can be forgiven too. And the welcome is on offer for both people, the Pharisee and the woman. And it's a welcome that as we've taken communion, we remember it comes at a cost to Jesus. He knows he's going to die on a cross. He knows that's how he can forgive sins because he's going to conquer them all. And he freely gives it. And it's beautiful. And it's wonderful. And it's something that is so important we do remember and that we enjoy. So that is the welcome of Jesus. It's the Jesus who welcomes the sinner. It's Jesus who forgives 
And it's Jesus who loves. The welcome that is extended by the Pharisee and by the woman is their response to the welcome that Jesus gives to them, of who they know of Jesus. And we're just going to um, compare them side by side. Um, because that's what the scripture does. Um, because we we see it there that it says the one, the Pharisee invites Jesus to the home. We saw it in that verse. He invited him to come and eat with him. So the Pharisee is in a place where he gets to invite Jesus. And the woman, she goes. <laughs> she finds out, oh, Jesus is there, I'm going. And she rushes and she, she approaches Jesus. The Pharisee gives no water for Jesus' feet. And the woman wipes the feet with tears. The Pharisee gives no kiss, but the woman doesn't cease to kiss his feet. And the Pharisee doesn't anoint the head with oil. She anoints his feet with ointment that is perfume. They're compared in this passage, I think, because it's to show the total opposite ways <laughs> that we can respond to Jesus, that we can welcome Jesus, and that we can see him. And I, I think through these three welcomes, we can learn some lessons as to what a true welcome is. That's not only our response to Jesus of how we welcome him into our lives, but actually how that then means we welcome more people. <laughs> How do we show that our response to Jesus in a way that then shows what Jesus has done and means other people that maybe haven't seen that yet can? And, um, yeah, that it becomes the overflow of our heart that we talk about Jesus rather than something we work at trying to do. It's actually just something that pours out of who we are. So... I've got five things that I think we can learn for a true welcome. One is that a true welcome is joyful. And I looked up joy in the Bible dictionary because I thought that might help. And it, it said it takes delight in. And actually, that's what we see in this story. Jesus takes delight in the woman's actions. And the woman's actions are her taking delight in Jesus, that she wants to pour everything out at his feet. And there's a quote from Chester that says, only as I'm daily struck by God's amazing grace to me will my life and words point to Jesus as the saviour. <laughs> and we sung that song today, didn't we? I'm filled with wonder, awestruck wonder at the mention of your name. And actually for us to be able to give a true welcome that points to Jesus, we need to remember what Jesus has done for us and I take delight in that, to be joyful for what we have received from Jesus and then that to be what comes out of us, that our life and our words point. And it made me think of Matthew 10, 8. It says, freely you have received, freely give. Actually, we get to receive from Jesus and then we can freely give that out. So our welcome is joyful and it shows the joy that we have in Jesus and it shares that. I thought the second one was a, is a welcome that embraces, it embraces people, it embraces Jesus, but it's also a welcome, I think, that embraces fear. When we actually look at this woman's actions in this story, it is remarkable what she does. <laughs> she is not invited to that dinner. 
In fact, she knows she is the last person anyone wants there. There's that sinful woman. It's literally how she's described in the passage. But she goes. She doesn't care. Not only does she go where she is not wanted, she then behaves in a way that is absolutely scandalous when she gets there. But she don't care. She knows people are talking about it. She knows people are disapproving of it. But actually, in that moment, her love for Jesus, he says, she has loved much. Her love for Jesus goes beyond what anyone else thinks, goes beyond how anyone's going to respond to what she's done. And in that moment, it's as though it's only her and Jesus there. Everything else can be forgotten. And I just wonder if that's how we love Jesus. (laughs) Do we have that love much that we can forget what other people think? Because we know There was disapproval. Simon is thinking to himself, you know, if he knew who she was, he wouldn't do that. (laughs) We see the people afterwards say, who is that that even forgives sins? They're not only judging the woman, they're then judging Jesus. What is he doing? Why is he letting her do that? How is he saying that he can forgive sins? And again, Jesus doesn't care. He's not got fear of what other people think. He knows he's been sent by God. He knows he is the true son. And uh, there's, a, there's a lazy quote that says, we want people to think well of us. And fear of others is one of the greatest obstacles to open-handed, compassionate hospitality. Welcoming people into our lives makes us vulnerable to disapproval. And if our fear of what people think of us is greater then our love for them, we will be reluctant to welcome. And actually, that's, that's what I think a true welcome is. It's where our love for Jesus is so great that even if it means we're not going to be loved by others, it doesn't matter. <laughs> because that is what's more important. And also that then means that we love people so much that it's okay if they come into our home and they say, Karis, why have you painted your hallway purple? (laughs) (laughs) And I say, yeah, I knew people weren't going to like that when I did it, but I do. (laughs) And actually, why can't I have that same boldness of I wanted my hallway purple? I know some people are going to hate it about Jesus. Actually, I know some people won't like the fact that I love Jesus, but I love him so much. (laughs) But that doesn't matter. And I'm frustrated with myself that sometimes I lose massive sight of that. And I would rather hold back and have someone not think I'm a bit weird than actually tell people that I'm loved by Jesus and I love him. And I want my love and I want all of your love of people and love of Jesus to be greater than the fear of disapproval. That we can welcome people in and we can lavish that love As Luke said, there's so many opportunities to do that now. And that's where our third one comes in, that a true welcome is sincere. The welcome of the Pharisee is fake. He's invited Jesus in, but he's really probably done that because he wants to be like, look, i got Jesus in my house. (laughs) Because then his actions that follow after the invitation are actually just rude. He ignores 
every custom and every traditional greeting. He doesn't give Jesus water for the feet. He doesn't anoint the head with oil. And in that, he shows Jesus no respect. He doesn't even follow his own customs that are so important to his life that this woman can't be there. But he won't extend them to Jesus. There is no sincerity in that. Whereas the woman knows exactly who she is. She knows what she has done. She knows how her life has been. But she also knows who Jesus is. And she knows what he can do for her. We don't know what experience she's had of Jesus before. But from her actions, we see she must have encountered him in some way. Because actually, there's a sincere love, as Jesus recognizes, that is why she can welcome Jesus in the way that she did. It is her heart being poured out, and that is sincere. She understands Jesus, and she understands her own position. And then she offers that as a welcome. And again, Chester says, behavior always comes from the desires of our heart. And this is where we see the heart of the Pharisee is cold. There is no welcome for Jesus. There is no respect. There is no love. The heart of the woman is warm and it's open and it's vulnerable. And there's sincerity there. And that's, that's like we said before, if that's allowing ourselves to be vulnerable. And it's scary, but it's beautiful and it's worth it. And it leads us on to number four, which is that a true welcome might be uncomfortable. It's not always going to be what we want to do. It's not always going to go the way we want it to go. And it might be a little bit awkward at some point. <laughs> Jesus is not afraid to become uncomfortable with the Pharisee. He knows the Pharisee's thought of why are you letting that woman do that to you? And he challenges it. He challenges it wildly because he's Jesus. But he challenges it. He turns around to him and says, which of them will love him more? And in that, he reveals Simon's heart to him, the Pharisee. See, Simon thinks he's righteous. As Luke told us last week, he's trying to protect his own purity. That's why he doesn't want the woman there, because she will infect him. But actually, I love what Chester says that Jesus then does, is he says... Jesus reveals that Simon's definition of righteousness is upside down. He teaches him that what you think you know is not what you know. <laughs> and that's not right. And actually, your opinion of the world, your opinion of righteousness is upside down. And the people you should be inviting into your home <laughs> are not the people you are inviting into your home. And there's a challenge and that could have created discomfort. And that could have been a bit awkward. But what we learn from Jesus is that it's worth it. And that there's boldness there to get through that discomfort and that uncomfortable feeling. The love for the woman is more important. The love of Jesus is more important. But also, I think for us, that tells us of who should be involved in our welcome? Who are we inviting in? Because actually, it's not just our friends and our family. 
that we want to hear the good news of Jesus. It's everyone, right? Everyone deserves to have that opportunity. Everyone is welcomed in to the kingdom of God. And sometimes that might mean we need to get a bit uncomfortable and invite someone in we don't get on with as well. (laughs) Or invite someone in that's maybe from a totally different context to us and isn't really going to understand how we live. But actually, they still deserve to know the love of Jesus. We don't want to be like Simon, who judges who he thinks is worthy and who he thinks is not. Because James 4.12 tells us there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? It's not us to choose. We don't get to think about who is worthy because we actually, if we really understand ourselves, as was in Carrie's song, we are not worthy. But Jesus makes us worthy. And actually, we need to not be like Simon and forget that. We need to be like the woman and remember, I'm not worthy, but Jesus has made me worthy. And therefore, my opinion of any of these people is totally insignificant. (laughs) And we need to ask Jesus to help us see people the way he sees people, that we can invite everyone in, even if that makes us feel uncomfortable. Because through connection, even people that are on the outskirts can be brought in. So that's what Jesus has shown us. This woman who's on the edge is brought into the family and is welcomed in by Jesus. And let's not be afraid of some of that uncomfortable nature. Finally, a fifth one is that a true welcome is shared. We are not left alone. Jesus welcomes us in, and in that we get the Holy Spirit. And Acts 1.8 says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is not our mission. This is the Lord's mission. <laughs> and he uses in, us in it because he is gracious and he is loving. But, he, but it's not up to us. We don't need to do this in our own strength. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit for boldness, for courage, but also in what started us in this series, as Luke told us last week, was the prophetic words. And in Hannah's prophetic word, it said, would it be a prophetic gift that we know who to invite when and when to open the door? And that's the nature of the God we serve, is that the Holy Spirit cares enough that he will reveal to us who it should be when it should be, how it should be. The master plan is all his. It's not ours. It's not our strength. And he can do it. And in that shared nature, we can also do it together. And small groups are great places that we can invite people in. Last week, we did a cinema trip to try and invite people in. No one came, but we all invited someone. And that was a good first (laughs) People have received an invitation. And that's beautiful. And do you know what? It makes it easier to invite again next time. (laughs) Is what I felt to myself. (laughs) But also, as a church, we've got the Christmas cafe coming up. We've got the carol service. I take great heart in the fact that I am not particularly bold and I'm growing in this area. But I know that all of my friends who don't know Jesus have heard the gospel because every single one of them has been to a carol service at some point. So there are great things there that we can invite people into. 
that will help them see Jesus. And if you haven't already got it enough, all of those five points together spell out Jesus. Uh, (laughs) Because actually, we can do as many things as we want. We can buy the right items. We can have a warm room. We can do any of those things. But the heart of a true welcome is that they've got Jesus at the center. It's that we know what Jesus has done for us. And we can respond to that. We receive that. And then we can overflow that response to other people. We receive the love from God so that we can love others. And it's all about him. So this morning, I think the way so we can respond is that we can either... It might just be our time to welcome Jesus. (laughs) If you don't know him yet, and you're like, who is this guy? (laughs) And it's a time that you can welcome him, but also I felt for some people it's a time to re-welcome Jesus. We actually, we've not been in wonder. We've not been experiencing that. And it's, a, it's, it's time now to remind ourselves to re-welcome him in. Maybe within that, we recognize we have become a little bit like Simon. <laughs> I actually, I know I am not someone who's been forgiven little. I am someone who's been forgiven a lot. I can give you a whole list of the things I've had forgiven And yet, sometimes that is something I do not think about in a day. And I don't know why that is. And in that way, I am a little bit like Simon. And I can think more of myself than I can of Jesus. And I can think more about what I'm doing than about what Jesus wants to do, what the Holy Spirit wants to do, and who they want to welcome in. And so maybe at this point, we actually just need to take a bit of time to repent of being like Simon and ask the Lord to restore our heart again and make it softer that we can welcome people in. And then within that, also just a response for all of us is to pray that we're filled with the Holy Spirit again, that we can be led by him, that we can be prompted and who to invite and how, and we can have the boldness and the courage to do it. So very quickly, because my husband is on kids' work, so he's going to get cross, but we're going <laughs> to... We're going to do it anyway. Um, We're just going to play a little song now that's called Jubilee. The year of Jubilee is in the Old Testament, and it was a year to celebrate liberty and justice. It was a year where land got restored to people who'd lost it because of debt, and it was a year of freedom. And it foreshadowed Jesus coming, who gives us that freedom and that inheritance. And one of the lines of this song is, look out for the woman shouting, his garment has made me clean. And actually, it just made me think of the woman in this passage, who is shouting, Jesus, you're making me clean. And so she lays everything at his feet, and she just loves him, and she just wants him there. And actually, that is how we're going to show people Jesus. It's by just bearing our hearts, laying everything at Jesus' feet, and letting people come see that. And I think this song really shows that. So let's just, we've got a lyric video, just read the lyrics and just let the Lord administer to you. He's going to prompt you in how he wants you to respond. He's going to prompt you in what he wants you to do. And we'll just take that time to do that and then we'll finish. Come 